We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the next episode of Home Visit with Tyler Siski and the Associates. Today we welcome a good friend, Cole Kublik, from the SEC Network and also co-host of the Mac and Cube Show there in uh, Birmingham. So if you're an SEC guy, you know exactly who uh, Cole is. Um, very uh, known him for a long time, uh, played together, or actually I watched him play when we were, <laughs> we were at Auburn. Uh, but as the years have gone on, he's covered our games and coaching, uh, really become pretty good friends off the uh, – off the field and off the mic, and and I'm so glad to have him on because he's very, uh, he's a very fun person to get his opinions on. So we had a great conversation that you're about to listen to about college football expansion, uh, playoff expansion, about the Auburn saga, and all kinds of fun stuff as it goes throughout the uh, SEC and football in general. After that, when we come back, we'll have uh, one more closing piece uh, on my good friend Matt Luke, and then after that. We'll get you out of here. So sit back and relax. Enjoy this week's episode of Home Visit. I'd like to welcome the man, the myth, the legend, SEC Network Analyst, and the co-host of the Mac and Cube Show on 94.5 WJOX in Birmingham. Cole, how are we doing today, brother? I'm doing great. I'm glad that you nailed the, the station there. You got that right. And... um I just appreciate it taking 2,000 of your episodes to get me in. And um, finally, you ran out of coaches to have on, and so you figured the guy we'll, – we'll go back to the guy that I've known since since 98, and then now we'll roll him in. So no, that's, no, that's good. no. See, what we got is me and you are just going to get cut loose on this on this Auburn deal in a minute because we had – I was trying to wait till the end of the saga the soap opera came through, okay? Oh, the, there's an end? <laughs> Allegedly. You know, it's it's uh, what I know that no. I, uh, since 98, I guess, the soap opera's longest running soap opera in the SEC, maybe. So. Oh, nine, did not start in 98. That's when you and I found out about it firsthand. Okay. But, uh, yeah, that thing's been going on a lot longer than that. And uh, I've already made the, the bold predictions that without certain individuals involved that it would stop. And um, it's it's actually increased, so I don't think it's ever going to end. we, we got uh, more so. characters in the soap opera? Yeah, I just – it's it. I think now that's just in there. It's in our DNA, and – 
We got to learn how to manage it. Yeah, I'm never going to be able to drive through Alabama again. I don't think I'll get I'll get shot at or something. I said, but at least you have to you have to deal with it every day with your with your uh, with your people. So at least at least be one of us. But hey, I want to hit some serious topics before we get off and have fun. Um, the biggest thing I want to talk to you about first was I want to talk about the college football playoff and or lack thereof expansion and what's going on and kind of get your thoughts on it because I've had mine. Um, and I've said it on here for many times, but I just think it's great because you're in the you're in the business. You know that's what you you talk about it. You know every day, and then for, for the SEC Network, ESPN, and so you kind of see a different uh, side of it than I do. I just want to get your 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 opinion of a college football playoff or lack thereof when it comes to expansion. Yeah, first off, I think it's unfortunate that we have. It's it's actually not too dissimilar to the Auburn situation. You have so many different people pulling in so many different directions that it's hard to just say this is what's best for everything. And I think that's why that conversation of should we have a college commissioner, you know, be a part of what we're doing becomes very interesting because you never hear any of these commissioners say we need this because it's best for college football. And that and up fair, I'm not mad at them for that. They get paid to be the commissioners of their leagues. Right. So they want what's best for their leagues. And then most ADs want what's best for their school. Most coaches want what's best for their team. That's the way that they're wired, and that's right. essentially what they get paid to do. But you rarely hear people come out, Tyler, and say, this is what's best for college football. We should do this. So it's hard for me to sit there and say 6, 8, 12, 24, 32, whatever, because I think it's going to continue to evolve and change. Uh, I went to the to the 2013 BCS title game. Ryan Hooker, Ben Leard went with me, my former teammates, our former teammates, you know them. And we were walking out of that game. Unfortunately, Auburn lost. And I remember looking at Hook and I said, well, just go ahead and mark this down. I said, college football as we know it is dead. And he's kind of like, what do, you, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And I said, well, it's been changing and morphing, but we're about to step on the gas with that. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to go full speed now. And by saying that and how I explained it to him then, and I still think it's relevant today is that you take that revenue wheel of let's just let's use round numbers and say one billion dollars. One billion billion dollars with a B. And if 10% of that, 8% of that, 12% of that is going to the group of five and that revenue sharing system that's been created, there's gonna come a time, and I think I think that time is probably now, I think these conversations are happening, that a lot of these ADs and a lot of these presidents and a lot of the commissioners are going to look at that revenue wheel and say, hold on, I know 10% doesn't sound like a lot, but 10% of that number actually is a lot. Why are we sharing that? Because we're sharing that with a lot of schools that have no bearing on who wins our national championship, how many eyeballs we bring to the table, how popular our sport is, and do we have to do that? Again, not what's best for college football, because go back and listen to some of the things that Mark Rick has said in the past. Like One of my favorite things I ever heard him say was, guys, there's enough money to go around to help support some of these schools that don't have it. Let's keep college football great everywhere, which I agree with. College football, I am, I'm 100% on board with yeah. that, too. College athletics. I won't just say football, but athletics. We know what it does for people, the doors that it opens. We know what it teaches you. We know the opportunity that it brings to so many different individuals. I want those opportunities for everybody. And so I, I think what you're going to see, at least the way that I, I believe it's headed, is you're going to get – 24, 32, 40 teams, whatever it is, that are just going to break away. And they're going to say, we're tired of sharing that money. We think we can make that money or more on our own. And then when we have all that money to ourselves, we're going to be even that much better. And maybe they have their own set of rules. Maybe they have a commissioner at that point. But they're not going to have to play nice with everybody else. And then the group of five, if that's what we're going to call it then, because it'll probably be like the group of 12, 
is going to have to sit back and say, okay, how do we function? What do we do? Because they're clenching to that 8, 10, 12%. I mean, that, they're on life support with that and have been. I had the same conversation with the FCS folks last spring because I was, an, I was an advocate after I called Sanford games in the spring. This needs to stay here. Now, you can't tell a North Dakota State fan that because right. you know their, their ears will begin to smoke and they'll pee on themselves because they're so angry. And they'll say, ah, football's made for the fall. And that's fine. For you guys, it is. But what they you call don't, in the fine bomb and complain. Right. But what you don't understand is there, there are Jacksonville State fans, alumni, that are trying to decide if they're going to Auburn games or Alabama games or stay for a Jacksonville State home game. I, I mean, right. I've talked to Martin Newton, the athletic director at Sanford. He's admitted that. He said, we yeah. try to schedule based on Auburn and Alabama's home games to raise our attendance. Hell, yeah. I've, talked to, I've talked to Mark Ingram at UAB about that. Yeah, we did he, it at South Alabama deals, when I was there. Yeah, All the smaller schools in Alabama deal with that because they know even if they're a diehard of your school or went to your school, because of what it is socially, because of the the event that it's become to go to a game in Auburn or in Tuscaloosa, most people are going to choose that first. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just what it is. And right. so that I, I think because the FCS is holding on even by a smaller string of money, and that is – as you know, those early season games, those non-conference games where they're getting a million, a million five, eight fifty, whatever. What are you going to do when those go away? Yeah, you ain't no, getting a TV deal. You don't. Yeah, that's you not don't coming. Get, now you yeah, can. You could get that's a TV, your source of income, right? You could get a TV. You could get a TV deal in the spring. And oh, by the way, my idea was to have your spring practice in August and play your spring game against a Division One opponent. Get your million five, get your million two, shut it down, come back and play your season in the spring. And there you go. There was a, you know, and you were talking about budgets and things like that. You know, this wasn't too long ago, and Arkansas State has definitely changed since then, but this has been in the last 10 years or so. Um, I remember we would go in a, a budget meeting, and I'm talking about the whole athletic department was running off like $14 million, Okay. And you're looking at getting two, you know, back then we were playing two and even three guarantee games. I mean, you're looking at 30% right. of your budget was coming from guarantee games back then, right? Yep. And, and depending on the, in the year and things like that, but, um, you know, in summer scholarships, you know, a lot of people don't understand the difference. And you now you turn around and we go to Ole Miss and this was like 13, maybe 12 or 13. My years are starting to run together. But now we're running off a $66 million budget back then. So you look at their budget today. I mean, that it, Ole Miss was like sixty-six million, or in somewhere in that area when I first we first got here with Freeze. So you're looking at a budget that was five times more than what we had at Arkansas State, and now today, in today's since the SEC networks kicked in, all they're getting fifty million dollar checks right. from the SEC network, right? Yep. And so now they're they're operating off of a you know hundred million dollar budget or whatever it is now, but there was a time where we would like I, this wasn't that long ago, and where we were having in the summer school, we were having to decide, okay, do we go to summer one? Do we pay for them to come to summer one or summer two? Because we can't afford both. I mean, that was a conversation yeah. that you have at those levels because yep. of the, the scholarship money. How about, how about just, this, Tyler? Uh, coming off of COVID, not the COVID year, but the following year, I talked to multiple group of five head coaches that said, Cole, I'm worried because we can't afford this. And I said, can't afford what? Well, we've got, 11 scholarship guys coming back, super seniors. We've got 14 guys that don't want to leave. They want to come play another year, which good for you. I don't blame you. But they said, we don't have the budget for that. I was like, yeah. oh, what do you – budget for, like, for, for pads and jerseys? Like, no, food, travel, hotels, 
seats on the plane, all of it, every bit of it. We yeah, like the school, the tuition, the books. We we just we can't afford that, and I don't know how we're going to do it. They had to come up with extra money. There's most college football fans would never think. Don't think about it. That would never cross their mind. But that's a real portion. And you're thinking of it. what fifty, sixty thousand dollars a kid, you know, and then all of a sudden you're throwing fifteen, twenty, maybe even twenty more kids on there. I mean, you're talking about you know you're having to come up with an extra five hundred thousand to a million dollars. Which is at that level, you're talking about ten percent of your budget. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy. It gets, or not five percent of your budget, maybe, but you're you know, whatever it is, just a huge budget increase. But yeah, that's a that's a problem that a lot of people don't understand. So for so for so for me, it's just it's hard to say eight, twelve, whatever, when I just truly believe we're going to that other portion. And I do and I I think group of five could have an amazing playoff on their own. And maybe they still get a guarantee game or two. Uh, but as we know. Once we keep moving forward, like, I mean, I'll just take the SEC, for example. They're not going to go to nine conference games yet, but you add Texas, Oklahoma. Well, what is going to be Greg Sankey's biggest trump card when his media rights deal comes up? The fact that he could go to nine conference games, and what's that going to give you? Well, that's going to give you an extra LSU, Texas. That's going to give you an extra Oklahoma, Auburn. That's going to give you an extra you know, Florida, Ole Miss, whatever it is, you get X amount of more of those games as opposed to Tennessee, Chattanooga, whatever, Mercer, whatever else those other games are where you have trouble selling tickets and they don't drive the TV ratings the way that they do. So that's what he's waiting on is the next media rights deal to be able to go up. It's just, it's the same reason that you heard Gene Smith just say, "Why, why would we alter, why would we take away a conference game to help these alliance games. Our conference games are most valuable to us for, for our gaining revenue. Playing each other are the best things that we have. Minnesota playing Michigan, Wisconsin playing Ohio State. Those are, those are the most valuable entities yeah. we own. So what are we going to do? We're going to keep them, and we're going to go get a billion a year for what we're putting out there. So I, just, yeah. I think we're heading towards a mass separation, and then the group of five is going to have to find something to do, which you and I both know would be great football. You look at the last few years, Liberty, App, Coastal, Louisiana, Utah State, the last few years, that would be amazing football. We would all love it, and I think fans would would grow to appreciate it as well. You know, and I'm going to speak as a vet here because after I left Auburn, I went to Troy um, and finished up when they were FCS. You know, the FCS has been doing this for a long time, okay, and this playoff system. But we feel like we got to to get some gurus that have never coached or played a down of football in their life. we got to get those guys in a room, and they're going to decide the future of college football. That bothers me, okay? So the reason we have history, right, is so you can study it and figure out what you need to change to make it better, okay? FCS been doing this a long time. And so I've said this for 100 years, and then everybody that listens to the podcast probably tired of me saying it. But everybody's got this big – I don't know where 12 came from. I don't know if they like the new NFL model or where it came from. Okay, but that's four extra games, okay, for the people who are playing in round one. You could go just like the FCS used to have it, okay, which was 16 teams, okay. And you could literally guarantee every single conference, including the group of five, okay, an automatic bid, okay. And then if you looked at, like, this year's playoffs, the top 12 teams, and you could still have your college football playoff committee or however you want to do it and your rankings and all that stuff. But basically, the top 12 teams would have gotten in in their college football rankings would have got in, okay? Plus, you're getting like a Northern Illinois, a ULL, Utah State, and those guys. And here's what I was talking about. Just like you're saying, one, the money, okay? But two is this, is now those Tuesday night matching games that you have to go cover in snow on Tuesday night uh, up in Buffalo, those mean something now, okay? So now, I mean, that has college football playoff implications, 
Now, how much more advertising from an ESPN standpoint are you going to be able to sell? Yep. How much more viewership are you going to be able to get? Because now those games mean something, and it means something to everybody. And I think from a, a complete making the game better, I think you want to do that. I don't want – That's what I we don't have. That. That's what we don't have is, is a guy walking around saying what's best for college football. Correct. We just and don't so have that's that where, Yeah, so that's the problem. That leads up to the next thing is, you know, do we need a college football commissioner? And the reason is, is just why this is the reason we're delayed right now. Okay, this is the reason we're even having this conversation because this came out Friday, right? And it just really pisses me off is that, and I, and you know, you got, and Greg Sankey don't care, by the way. He don't care what it is. He's going to get his two, at least two in, no matter if it's four, six, eight, <laughs> twelve. I mean, he's over there just laughing. He don't care. But why, why would you, why would, why do we have like that? You know, we got the ACC, you got the Big Ten, you got the Pac 12. All these guys have their own agendas. Okay. And so there's no one there to say, hey, thank you, Greg Sankey. Hey, appreciate you, ACC. Appreciate you, Pac-12. But by God, this is what we're going to do. Yep. Okay? And, and until that happens, we're just kicking the can down the road because everybody gets pissed off and they take their ball and they go home. Nobody wants to work together. It's like politics, man. They're trying to just push their own agenda. And if they can't get it right, then they don't want to play ball. So if they don't get what they want, and this is a situation – that it doesn't matter who you represent, okay? You're not all, everybody's going to have to compromise some. Everybody is, and so you can either do it your way, okay, and and then everybody else be pissed off, or you can come together and come to a solution. But until we have somebody in there, it's the same thing with NCAA rules and all this mess. I mean, there's people making decisions that have no idea what they're. I mean, I, they're mean well, okay. They 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 don't. They're not trying to do bad, but they just don't know what they don't know. But it's CYA all the time, as as your boy Rick Trickett used to say. It's CYA. I saw him Friday, by the way. He told all, me to tell you hello. I know he did. I'm sure he, he he's always excited to talk about me and see me. Uh, but these conference commissioners are they're covering their ass, and the presidents are covering their school, and the coaches are taking care of their team. But that's what they're paid to do. So we can't be mad at them for that, right? Like I'm you not, I'm get not somebody mad at what that Greg says, Burns says that yeah. would be best for Alabama. That's what it should be. I mean, yeah. Alan Green should go politic for what's that's best what for Auburn. Needs to have happen. Yeah. Sankey should politic what's best for the SEC. Gene Smith should politic what's best for Ohio State. You know, Kevin Warren should be worried about the Big Ten. So, but it's like you said to align all that. I, it's damn near impossible, and so it's tough because. Who are, are you? Do you trust putting someone in that position that's going to be worried about the FCS or going to be worried about the Sun Belt or going to be worried about the MAC? Or are they just going to be worried about the SEC, the Big Ten, and then maybe the ACC and the Pac 12? I mean, I, exactly. I, do they even care about Notre Dame? We don't, we don't know. So it, you, it, it would be a very difficult decision because it, it needs to be someone that's worried about the greater good. And the greater good is not always maximizing the amount of money that can be made. And let's be honest, this decision to play four more years with four teams, I guarantee you the conversation, the lead conversation was, hey, uh, before we make this happen, did you guys see what the Big Ten's about to get? Oh, yeah. it's So it's, why are we doing anything? Yeah. Let's wait and see what happens there because if they get a bill, what are we going to get yeah. if we go to 12? So just pump the brakes. We'll keep raking in our cash with this, and we might be able to double our income. They're playing the long game, and it's smart from a business perspective. But who said Mal? Was it Mal Moore that said, "You want football making people making football decisions? You want business people making football decisions?" Yeah. 
I'm, I'm pretty sure somebody told me that Mal used to say that a lot, which is genius. Do you, who, who do you want deciding what's best for your football team? Is it super nerd calculator guy? Or is it somebody that's traveled and somebody that understands how to deal with coaches, that's talked to coaches, that's called plays, that's gotten his ass kicked, that knows how to adjust, and that understands how to recruit and what it takes to recruit, who you need to recruit, and what, it, what good coaches look like when you have to hire them, and staff continuity. I mean, I, I know which one I would select. I know which one you yeah. would select. So it just It's like this. It's like I can't sit here and tell you how to make uh, – hospital protocols because I watch ER on TV. You know, I just, I don't, um, it's like that commercial. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't perform heart surgery, but I did stay at the Holiday Inn Express last night. I mean, like, right. and it's not that they don't mean well, and they're not trying to screw up, and they make a lot of decisions that are good, but... They're damn sure not staying at Holiday Inn Express, is that? No, they're not either. <laughs> but but they can't, the, what bothers me more than anything is they'll make a decision, okay, which on the periphery looks okay. And the fans think it's great. But what they don't realize is when you make decisions, you have consequences to those decisions. And they don't have the foresight to see down the road of what those decisions, you know, the, the consequences of those decisions and how it affects everybody. And, yep. you know, we've talked at nauseum about, uh, you know, transfer portal. I think, I think, uh, I think Sankey <clears throat> said it during, during COVID. Great decisions have great consequences. Yeah. And so that that's just the reality of how things are gonna go. And I'm gonna give him credit too. I mean, he he gets a he gets a bad rap sometimes, but he of just dealing with what we've had to deal with there, I don't know if you could have asked for a better guy in that chair. He does a really no. good job of balancing all the bullshit that comes along with that job and he can and he knows how to handle coaches. Well he brings he I think he brings some reality does. to the business portion of it. Like he could, you could have a, some, some of these, you know, Oh, super business guy. Ah, I know how to crunch numbers, but he also brings a little bit of a fan perspective, a little bit of reality perspective. He obviously cares about the as well. balanced, Absolutely. Well yes. Yeah. And that's, listen, no, no different than football. The more balanced you are, the more difficult you're going to be to defend or move the ball against. Yep. Ain't no doubt. All right. So let's go ahead and rip the bandaid off and get to it. All right. So I know as you, as I know you, you are, and I am too. You know, I, I tried to explain to people. I was a little cl- too close to this growing up an Auburn fan, going there, um, playing, actually sitting and watching you play, but I was there. Um, and Auburn's a special place, and people have called it cultish sometimes to some people. Um, but I, I got to the point in all this Auburn saga, I was just tired, man. I, I don't know. Um, I'm just exhausted and embarrassed probably a little bit. Um, yeah. Probably the where I, I'm at is just embarrassed by how an organization, and I'm not talking about the football athletic department. I'm talking about the influences of the organization on the outside and the things that they try to do to make decisions. So I'm just going to spill it to you. And I, I think we've had a brief conversation about it, but I'm just curious to – as you know, as the daylight ends or soap operas or whatever they're called, as the world turns, what's your uh, what's your opinion on this Auburn deal? Yeah, it's unfortunate, and and so I think the reason you say the things that you say is because you've seen it be great, just like I have. I mean, let's just go back to when we were in school. I mean, I, I went to two SEC championship games, and I was on a team that went three and eight and fired its coach on a Friday in the in the in the team um, so in the old. team dorms dining hall. We told that story. Uh, I told that story Friday like, afternoon before a game. I told that story uh, with Neil McCready a couple of weeks ago, when not in the middle of all this, um, after the movies. So in Sewell Hall. So yeah, I told that story. No, I, I've, I've had people ask me like, you know, you've probably been 
you've seen a little bit of this dysfunction. And I said, oh, you mean when I walked out of a team, a team movie in Opelika on our way to LaGrange at 6 p.m. and only two kids on the team had cell phones and they were saying, hey, Feinbaum's saying this, that uh, Terry's fired. And then the, they don't tell us anything and the buses go back towards Auburn. <laughs> so we're like, the hell? And we pull up to Sioux Hall and we literally walk into where we eat and Terry walks in and tells everybody, I'm not your head coach anymore. I'm sorry. And then walks out. And so, yeah, we've had a, we, we have had maybe the front row seat to the dysfunction at Auburn because you can say what you want about Jetgate, but there were no players that sat there and had a front row seat to that. They just read about it in the paper and saw it on the local news. We sat there and had to be taken back to our dorm to sit in the dining hall for our head coach to come in and tell us he was fired. And then Rodney Allison followed him out because he had had enough. He's like, screw it. I'm not coaching anymore either. I'm gone. And so, it, I mean, and then that divides the team because most people love brother. Not everybody did. You know, then all of a sudden the coaches got one foot out the door. Can't blame them for that. Some people, half the team thought Terry quit. Half the team thought Terry got a raw deal. You didn't know what to think anymore. Yep. So that's why I always say, I don't care what the scenario. I mean, obviously if it's, if it's something legal and, you know, something happened off the field where a coach needs to be let go, I get it. But results-oriented coach firings in the middle of the season, I hate it every single time because it takes away from the development and the coaching that players deserve because those coaches have one foot out the door. And I don't blame them for that. I'm not mad at them for that, but they got a, they got a family to worry about. So they're, they're concerned about that. And then you've got guys, you know, maybe, again, some guys leave, some guys are forced out. So now you're jumping, you know, you're bundling tight ends in with O-line or receivers or the running backs are being coached by the quarterback coach, or whatever. All different things. All of a sudden, I mean, look at the. I had the, I had the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Lamar Jackson's last game. He played Mississippi State, and Greg Knox was the interim coach. And I think it was like him, DJ Looney, and two other guys that were even on staff. They weren't even coaches. Like they were, they were. They were like assistant, like assistant GAs or analysts, and he had to bring them up. There was like four guys that even spent time with the team that had to coach the whole team in the bowl game. Cole, do you remember? Do you remember when you covered? Do you remember when you covered us when I was at Arkansas State and we'd won? We were on our way to Ole Miss. We were like eleven and two or whatever it was, and we're playing Northern Illinois, who was really good, and they were like eleven, ten, eleven win team. But like. We like Hugh had already gone, and like we like they couldn't come back and coach, and so we had like four coaches that that whole. I mean, and the game wasn't till like January. It was the day before the national championship game. So for right. six yeah. weeks we were coaching with four coaches, and then you know the the AD was so kind enough to let us to hire outside coaches. Like, what am I going to do? Teach this guy the system? And he's going to coach ball in two weeks. I mean, you well, know, at least but, he tried. But you remember that we went through the same thing, and hell, we were yeah. winning. We didn't get fired. We had won. And, yeah, and and so when you get when you get guys that are fired, I think it takes it even up another notch correct, because those like, guys are looking to get out. But you know, back to this Auburn thing, I, I think the most recent piece of drama to me, the way that I would describe it, is that it was emotionally driven. That's the that's the best way that I know how to describe it. And I think you had, I think you had some boosters or people in positions of power, whatever you want to call them, that they were mad from the jump because it wasn't one of their guys, and so they were. You know, they're they're a little bit beat up. Their feelings were hurt from the from the get-go. So that's 10, 12 months of just fuming. Well, then all of a sudden, you know, you get a you get a coordinator that, that gets let go and he does his exit interview and he's mad. And so he says things that aren't nice because, you know, hey, some people don't like each other. I don't like most people. 
But, you know, some people don't get along. And that's okay. You don't have to like everybody, especially to work with them. And so, like, I've worked with guys in the past that have said, you know, you're, we're not even friends. And I was like, I don't get paid to be your friend. I get paid to work with you. So I'll show up and do a radio show, and then I'll, I'll go my way. You go yours. That's not hard. Like, none of these coaches' staffs hang out. You know that. So he comes in, and, and you know, he, he didn't have a good experience. Okay, good. Well, that gets everybody's feelings going again. And here come the emotions. And the emotions are starting, you know, they're turning the coals, and the fire's coming back up. Oh, then we get a kid that transfers to a school that never played, and he did not have a good time. Oh, boy, now we're mad about that. He must be mistreating everybody because kid transfers that never played. Oh, they, they don't know what they're doing. This guy can't coach because player A, who couldn't get on the field, he's angry. Ah! So, But then you get guys that are on the team that are coming out saying, whoa, this is exactly what we needed. Well, hold on a second. And, and not just white guys, by the way. And I don't like to take it down that road, but that's what people tried to make it. But you had different guys of different ethnicities on that team that were saying the same thing. Wait a second, man. This is what we had to have. Like, we needed this at that point in time. And, and I thought Smoke Monday said it best. And I'm not saying that I agree with this exactly, the connotation. But Smoke was like, hey, was it my best experience with Brian Harson? Probably not. Like, the guy's never spoken to my parents. But the, he's a damn good football coach. Yeah. He's exactly what our team needed. Which, like, I talked to Gerard Powers the other day, and he's like, that's what it is. It's yeah. not all going to be fun. It's not all going to be happy-go-lucky. Like, I don't think Terry Bowden ever spoke to either one of my parents while I was, while I was in school at Auburn, ever. I know Tommy didn't. Never. He just called me by my number. I mean, why do you think when you – all you he didn't people know where I was watch, from, though. Hey, all you people that are watching this, when you see NFL training camps or football fall camps and there's a piece of tape with the kid's name on the front of it, that's not for the equipment people. It's because the coaches don't know who the hell they are. That's why that is. So I, I just I feel like all these emotions got going and all these people got super angry and they said, now's our chance. Let's get him because now's our shot. We'll get him out of here because we're mad and he's not nice to kids and he's mean. And he's mistreating players, <laughs> and so they got all them. All the emotions got fired up. Hey, do you call then, in? Do you call in to fine bomb as like <laughs> as like Bill from Boise or anything? I probably could and get away with that, but they know my number, so that's a bad idea. Bad idea. So, so I think that you know everybody gets fired up. We know that emotions can push you in directions that where you just you make rash decisions and you don't make the best decisions for people. So. I think then you start leaking some things to the media. You start telling them this thing's done. We're going to get it done. We've got it done. And then they place all these facts in front of the legal team. And I would assume that they laughed them out of the room and said, I don't know if you guys are aware of this or not, but we can't fire people because we don't like them. <laughs> At least for cause. Is that not, no. is that not in the calls contract that you think that's going to be in the next Auburn head coach's contract? Like mm -hmm. if we don't like you, <laughs> we can fire you with calls. Yes. Um, clause 18 F two, three dash one. If don't like can fire. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think the legal team looked at it and said, yeah, if you would like to pay him 18.4, gladly say that you hate him and give him a check and he'll be on his way. That's nine what it's that, in there for. Like, nine, of, nine of that will be due in 30 days. So have that ready, and then you got to come up with two fifty a month or whatever it is for the next twenty four months. I don't know how they would have paid it out. But for to the next me, lifetime. to me, that's how that entire thing got going. Is a lot of people got emotional. They churned up a lot of BS. 
And now, are there some are there some areas that that Brian Harson needs to adjust? Yeah, absolutely. Does he need to self evaluate in certain portions of how he's handled all of this? Of course, this is new for him. It's probably a little bit more than he anticipated. It is for a, that's why the SEC hiring process is so incestuous. Is because there are a lot of guys that come in and get blindsided by all of these portions of it. Now, not all of these schools operate the way that Auburn does, but there are a lot of that it can swallow you up, man. So he's got a little bit of self-evaluation to do, and I think he knows that, and I don't think he has a problem with that, but he's also painted into a corner now based on how they handled this situation. Yeah, and here's where I get, I get pissed off, is you hire the guy to do a job, let him do the job. Yep. You know, a lot of Because we know he can coach. You know he can coach. Ball coach. I know he okay, can coach. Okay, the guy, guy can coach ball. Okay, the guy can coach ball. And everybody's like, well, he's not recruiting. Well, how do you know? How do you, how do you know? The people who are saying he can't recruit, how do you know? You know, now you can ask people that know, and they may can tell you why. But the average fan, and and surely the boosters, now they're not buying the, they're not cheating. I can tell you that. I know that for a hundred percent fact. He's not cheating in recruiting. He is trying to do things the right way. So here's what I got from it: You hired a guy that coaches hard, okay, and he's trying to do things the right way, okay, and you don't like him for it. I'm, and then, and has a way that works, by the way. And yeah, it's proven. And, and then, like, and here's the other thing: that really pisses me off. If he beats Alabama, we, we're not even having this conversation. Well, and take that even further because everybody wants to be Alabama, right? I, I used to call it the Saban Meyer effect. Now, now maybe it's the you know Saban Ryan Day, you know Saban Dabo effect. Everybody wants what those guys have. Not every school can be that first and foremost. But I mean, do you think everybody was walking out of Alabama's facility Nick's first few years saying, "Man, that was a fun experience." Yeah, people don't God, remember. Man, I really, I really enjoyed that 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 winter workout. That was yeah, fun. No, they didn't man, like that. that's that first spring practice. Woo, that was a blast. Man, yeah, how about do that again? No, how about people forget that Nick Saban went six and six his first year and lost to Monroe. People mm-hmm. forget that. Now, I'm not saying that Brian Harson is going to be Nick Saban and have all that all that success. But don't don't do that because at SEC Media Days, I said. Mentally, how they're wired and how they operate, Harson's the closest thing to Saban in the conference. Maybe outside of Kirby, just because Kirby has the blueprint. Yeah, Kirby and, went seven and five his first year, by the way. And people got people get big mad at that. But then, like it's, to, so, but think about it: are, are Mike Leach, Lane Kiffin, Eli Drinkwitz, like who? I mean, Billy's 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 a pretty serious guy. Like, Billy's pretty process oriented. Yeah, like, I think Brian. Brian Kelly is pretty no like now it's a little different because last year comparing was, last year was well last year was Mullen Orgeron so I'm like go down the coaches in the league and tell me mentally and emotionally and their process how it operates who's the closest guy to Nick Kirby and Kirby and Billy that's probably the two closest now but I'm saying last year Kirby and then Harson would have been would have oh been yeah next. Har- uh, yeah I'm not I mean I will say I've never worked with Harson, so I don't. But I know he was at Arkansas State after us. We know a lot of the same people and all that stuff. And we've talked a couple times on the phone. Like Shane Beamer's amazing, but he he doesn't operate how yeah. Nick Saban operates. Like it's, more it's like just Dabo. right. So I, I just it's it's funny how everybody says we want that, we want to be that, we need to be that, and then when you get that, you're like, <laughs> ah, he's too mean. Ah, <laughs> he yeah, made a be, guy mad. That goes to the saying: Be careful what you wish for, because you just may get it. So. Yep. But, yeah, I, I'm just – and I, we'll wrap up on this. But where I got really – I got pissed off about that. And then how we're we're leaking things to the media that aren't true to try to tarnish reputations. Stupid. Um, that, really, that's, that was probably the most – for me, okay, it's one thing. It's embarrassing when you're trying to – like, it's embarrassing 
when you're trying to make clauses as a university and get them passed the day before he comes back home uh, that they can give you calls. I mean, they tried everything. But when you start leaking false information to media outlets to, to tarnish reputations, that's where as a person who grew up loving the school, that, that's where the embarrassment starts because that's not what that's not how that place was made. No. You know what I mean? And that's not, you know, Pat Dye. That's not my Auburn that I that I grew up with, Larry Blakeney. That's not that's not the the, you know, even Coach Bout. I mean, it's, it's a good university with good people. Well, listen, that's why that's why I mean my wife and I have gone out of our way to try to find a way to move to Auburn. You know, professionally can't make it happen right now, but that's our goal. And we actually had a conversation not too long ago about like where would we go when we retire? When our three kids are off and done with college and moving, where would we go? And mountains, meh. beach, meh. Auburn, yeah, please. Yeah. Like we would just love to spend the rest of our lives there. Like we we try to take our kids there. We just we both love it, and we love it because, like you're saying, we know it's great, and we know it can be great more often than it is. It's just that it's not a lot. It doesn't allow itself to be, and that's where I think a lot of fans are right where you are, Tyler. That it's just almost gotten a little bit depressing and sad and it's people are just so exhausted with it. And they're just like, can we please just get people pulling in the right direction? And you've got to, here's, here's the thing. And I'll leave, I'll, I'll leave the Auburn conversation with this. Auburn lives on islands. It's the reality of it. There's an AD Island. There's a booster Island. There's a head coach Island. There's a team Island. There's an athletics department Island, all these islands everywhere. And we've seen sometimes there's bridges to these islands, like 2013, 2017, 2010. You know, we could say 2000, whatever. Like we've seen bridges to these islands. Right now, I think there's one island that has a lifeboat that can get around, and that's about it. The basketball island actually has like a a, a bullet they got a train. Freeway. Yeah, he's they got, got a, bullet, a freeway he's, going. He's got a bullet train like in Tokyo where he can <laughs> he can go wherever the hell he wants as yes, fast he as he wants. But there are not many there are not many bridges to the islands right now. Right. And someone's got to build those bridges. And maybe yep. there are so many people that just don't want them. They're not going to allow it to happen. But if anyone could ever get in there and just say, hey, man, tell me what you want. And, <laughs> and go. I'm going I'm hey, to try to get it for you. I'm going to try to get it for you. Yeah. What do you, you want? Do you, do you want to call plays? Okay. <laughs> well, here's what I can do. I can get you a headset in your suite that you can hear the plays, but you will not have a microphone to be able to communicate back. So I can meet you there. Do you want brunch with the coach on Sunday? Okay. We, how about five Sundays a year we can make that happen? Not every Sunday, but five Sundays we can make that happen. Do you want a locker? Okay. In uniform? Here's what we'll do. We'll get Dana Marquez to retrofit you a replica locker with all the uniform options in your place of business, but I can't put you in there with the kids. I just I can't do it. I'm sorry. I can't do that. Like, you, you gotta, someone's got to meet in the middle somehow, some way. And, and, and I'll, I'll also say this, okay? I'm just going to say this. So the dirty old man that's flying the Instagram models out to Vegas and buying her Christian Louboutin shoes and Birkin bags and, you know, going to, going to late night steak dinners and getting bottle service at Light at the Bellagio and then going to Drea's afterwards and then flying home on his PJ, he's not anticipating just dropping her off at home and going on with his night. He's expecting something else in return. Auburn University needs to look in the mirror to a certain extent because there are certain individuals that they have been taking a lot of money from for a very long time. And it is beyond naive for you to think 
that that individual will not want anything in return for that. So my point is clarify on the front end what some people want so you can help them down the road when desire and deserve are way far apart. Yeah. I desire to have this. Well, you deserve to have that. Well, I gave you this, so I should get that. And that's where everything crumbles, in my opinion. Quid pro quo, right? What do they call it? And we didn't. I mean, I think what I was describing would be called something else, but. (laughs) Hey, I'm trying to make this a family show, even though it's not. You know what I mean? I'm sure all the all the teenagers are loving the uh, college football playoff talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. So my mom. If my we mom were doing TikTok dances, you probably hit a bigger audience. Yeah, we should do one. I'll, I'll let you start. Get Raquel to pull up a TikTok dance, and you guys can learn it. And then no, you, you oh, do we'll whatever you, start, you need though. to we'll do. Let you demonstrate for us. I got none of them. I tried to learn the damn Applebee's song for a dance contest with my daughter, and I looked at my wife like, "You owe me big for even trying to attempt to do this because this is awful." All right, well, we've we've had a we've we've killed the Auburn saga, and hopefully we can put that thing to bed for a while. So let's do that. Let's put it to bed. And I, I want to ask you, let's have some fun here, because um, I think uh, you know I know you, but I want to get some uh, get some fun stuff out of you here. So you know you work for um, SEC Network. You cover games every every weekend. I always call you and ask you where you're going and all that stuff. What city or campus, like, and when you get your assignments, right, when they give it to you, what, what's yeah. something that you're like, yeah, you look forward to the most? What's a What's probably your favorite assignment? I'm not necessarily talking about the coaches or the fans, but just the place you like to go visit the most. Um, you know, now is very different than it was probably four or five years ago because it was, man, I've, I've never been to A&M very much. I want to I right. go hang out out there. Or I love going to Oxford because it's such a cool place. Obviously, love going back to Auburn. Even, you know, going, people would probably be surprised, but I love going to Tuscaloosa because just seeing that thing operate and Nick and Nick is great when he sits down and talks to us. And I also love interviewing Nick because I feel like I can give him very detailed football questions. And I, I feel, I, this is my opinion. I feel like he loves answering those. And so it's just, you have, I adapt my questions to all coaches differently. Like I would never ask Mike Leach the things that I asked Nick because Leach right. would probably give me a one word answer. But when I asked Leach early this year, like, Oh, coach, big win here in, at, at 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 Kyle Field, like now you can go watch um, you know Outer Bank season two because he told us how much he loves Outer Bank season one. I mean, like I showed him a I showed him a video of my son dressing up like a pirate for Halloween Friday before the game that we had against Kentucky, and we like played the clip in because they recorded his. I did a little like interview with a little LTT, and they recorded his response to it. And, like he's just smiling ear to ear. He's like, "Oh, your son's gonna go off." Far in life, this is incredible. I love it. And so, like, what do you think? I, but I would never show Nick Saban myself. Yeah, what do you think like Nick would have said if you showed it to him? How if you showed Nick the same picture. How fast is he? How far can he throw the football? <laughs> like, why should I be interested in this kid? <laughs> hey, you know the great thing about Nick, though, that people don't realize is, like, you know, all these coaches are very protective, like NFL scouts coming in or all that stuff. He doesn't, like, he's all about it. He's, he's a very, surprisingly, you would think just, those kind of coaches are very guarded about everything, man. He's like, he's like doors open all the time, carte blanche coming here because he knows he gets the, he is hard as he is on the media. Sometimes I think he understands that they have a job to do and that it helps his message get out there. And so he always needs that avenue media wise to get the message even to the team out there. But he lets us come to Thursday afternoon practices and, 
there's we had him we had him twice early this year, and he he comes over to me in practice, and he's like, "Cube, how you doing? I, I we got to go watch this third down tape, short yardage." He's like, "You know about that? Short yardage, how you just got to grind it out, and this and that." And then he walks off. But you know, it's just you have to coaches like anybody else get them in their element. And they're more comfortable. And his yep. element is just not always in front of a microphone. So some other guys, you know, I don't know necessarily if that's Lane's element, but he's damn entertaining in front of it. And so like I can just I can I mean there was one there was one game this year that I can't remember who it was. We we're walking in at halftime and I was gonna interview Lane. I walked up and he's already talking. So I just put the microphone in front of his face. He's like, he's like third down ridiculous. We got to protect better. I just don't understand why we don't, we don't, we don't know. You know, pace, pace picking up probably help us a little bit, but just we, we missed. I mean, you know, Lane. He's like, he's a savant with remembering certain things. He was, he's like that third down on the left hash going in on the twenty-eight. If that crosser comes across like two yards deeper, we're going to be able to hit that post. I'm thinking, good lord, like there's no one that knows what you're talking about right now. But it's really cool what you're saying. So. It's just getting them in their element, making them comfortable. So, have you ever seen hard. Sean McVay? Like when they they do that deal with Sean McVay, when they talk yes. about something from five it's years ago on the unbelievable. You know, I've never, you know, I've never. You know seen. who else is like that? Bill no. Oliver. That's my dude. What a great go, dude. Go ask Bill Oliver like about a. I asked Bill Oliver a question. He said, "He said, well, well, Carl, we had this, we had this play in '87." Uh, when I was a deep, when I was Clemson, and it was a third down, it was the rat hash. It was third and goal. And on the previous play, I called eight kicker rock, and we brought the, I called corner crash on the next play. And that corner was a little bit too deep, and they snuck it right up under there on the on the whip route, and they got us. And I'm thinking, 80, I mean, it wasn't 88. Yeah. It was like, he knew the exact, he knew yeah, the game, the stadium, everything. I was just like, good Lord. Like, I, I think don't even Lane, know what I ate yesterday. Yeah. I like, think Lane, he kind of like, uh, I don't know if I've never even asked him stuff like that, but I'll tell you what he does do great in games. I always said he's one of the best game time play callers and adjusters I've ever seen work. Um, and he visualizes things. It's probably like he can, he doesn't need to draw up on the board. You know what I mean? Like he, yeah. he calls the game and he recalls it. And again, I don't know if you can ask him what happened on third and sixth at the left hash, like the McVeigh thing, but oh, I bet I could, I bet I could. probably could. I mean, I, I've never actually tried it, but the one thing that he could do, probably better than every everybody, is just call the game. I mean, like right. he knows the flow. He knows when guys are going to be open. Um, you know, when he does his throw the clipboard, or he I mean, he's been doing that stuff for a long time. He knows pre snap if he yep. gets what he gets, and and that's what you know he's going after something. Well, he's, here's the here's the craziest right. part, here's the craziest part about that. So he told us we were just talking about different things this year, and we had the Vanderbilt game there, and Tom and Jordan did the game on the sideline with me. And we were telling him about it because we were like wanting extra access. And he actually did it during the game. There's a couple of times he like reached over and said, fade or corner out. Like he was telling us what they were going to do. And he, but when we told him, he looked over at Tom and Jordan. And he said, why, why would you guys want to do that? He's like, it's the worst, it's the worst view in the house. And he looked at me and he said, I don't know how you do it, man. I don't know how you watch the game from down there. He's like, I freaking hate it. Yeah. And I was like, I said, Coach, I'm with you. I said, there are so many things that I want to see that I can't see. So think about what you just said. And he also hates the way he has to watch the game from down there. Now, he I'm did. not talking about being around players or anything, but just like what he sees. Yeah, he told well, us, some, I hated it too because I'm short. Now, he's actually taller. He's got me about so right. he can probably see some things. But obviously, but it's being, very hard to see down booth, there. 
being in the booth, you see all of it. You, you see, see it everything. all develop, and he doesn't get to see that. And I'm, I'm kind of the same way. But yeah, that's what he does. So impressive because when you're, when the fans need to know this too, and this is what you're talking about. So when you're on the field, and you're coaching on the field. So I coach receivers and did passing game and all that stuff. And same thing, you you as you watch, you're a big old line guy, so you watch the box. But I would have to watch, and this is something he does. It's very impressive. He can look at like the near three guys, so the safety, near side safety, near side backer out, you know, nickel, whatever it is, a corner. He can tell you everything else that's happened. The other eight guys are doing without seeing it. Yeah, that's seeing wild. It. And that's how I had to learn. But he can process it so fast and give you. I'll give the fans a little insight here. So we're playing yeah. Tennessee in fourteen at Tennessee, and then you know we practice opening script and all this stuff. Something had happened. I don't know. And he just got like I mean very early in the game. And he went off script and sent Amari Cooper in the game out of position or it moved his position to get him the ball and was running like a naked. It was like the first play of the game, early in the game, maybe the second play. I don't remember. But he thought about it so fast and he sent a guy in the game. We ended up with 10 players on offense. OK, but it was a play to Amari. I don't they never caught it. He goes in motions and we run like a naked boot with him coming back underneath. And we hit Amari for like 75 yards up the sideline. He knew exactly what the call was, and he knew it, and he did it so fast in the middle of a deal that we only had 10, 10 players on offense. And so – I think that's where his his demeanor, whatever you want to call it, cocky, arrogant, whatever, I think that's where that benefits him because he doesn't care. Yeah, he and, and, two, and he, he just, believe, he just believes it's going to work. He's like, oh, does, let's I mean, just try it. For him. And it'll, it'll, it'll work. But to answer your question – Yeah, sorry about it's, that. We're it's all right. No, it's, it's a cool conversation. It's, it's gotten very different recently because – when I get a game in Starkville or Oxford or Nashville or – first off, I just want the best game every week. I don't care where it is. I want the best game. But when I get games that I can drive home Saturday night and be home and be around my kids earlier Saturday night or on well, – I won't see them Saturday night, but be around them earlier on Sunday, that's always cooler for me. But I got, I got places and people that I love seeing in every SEC town, every single one of them. They're all there great for different – like Columbia, South Carolina. That's where my relatives live. So I get to go see my grandmother. I have one. I have one grandparent still alive. I get to go see her. Get to see my cousins. Get to see my aunts and uncles. They all live there in town, so that's always cool to go there. But also, and I grew up going to games there. My mom and dad went to Carolina, so it's a. It'll always be a place that's a little more special to me. So, I got different reasons to love every town that we go to. Is there a restaurant at any of these stops that you prefer? Like, like a, what's a restaurant? I mean, yeah, Auburn. Or you got to go mini. to Acre. Auburn. You go to Acre. Oxford. Too many to choose from. I mean, you oh, probably saw, you saw my, my got a lot of Oxford people listening. This is going to be a this is going to be a critical answer. You may may well, may gain you, some or lose some here. You, I'm not going to go against my guy John Currents because you saw my my SEC Nation hit that I did with him at Big Bad Breakfast, which I could eat Big Bad Breakfast three meals a day for a thousand straight days. Uh, it's just that good to me. But you know, how do you choose snack bar, city grocery, whatever? I mean, Ajax. It's just the that's one of those. It doesn't even matter. Just get us to one of the ones, and we're good to go. Um, that's that's a very good answer. You 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 kept all your followers from Oxford. <laughs> that's a very good answer. And then if you want to roll out the Taylor Grocery, obviously that one's also amazing, amazing experience. But like Chuck's Fish in Tuscaloosa, Tony's is our spot in Lexington. Um, Dragonfly Sushi in Gainesville, incredible. And the Republic is our spot in uh, in College Station. We do not venture off from Republic in College Station. <laughs> We got Theo's in Fayetteville. They take great care of us. Tom Hart okay. drops them on the broadcast. The game was like, it was like a six-hour game. And Tom's, <laughs> and Tom's like, well, guess we're not going to be able to make it to Theo's. And five minutes later, all three of us had DMs from the owner. He's like, we will stay open for you. Please come in. That's awesome. Us. 
And so we went eight after that. But yeah, we've we've got our Tom. Tom is kind of the concierge of our crew. Okay. So he he usually handles dinner, dinner reservation. Like he'll say, Do you guys want to go here or here? But he usually that's his deal. Like when we get to the restaurant, he orders the wine for everybody. Like he that's that's his thing. So we just kind of let him do his thing. Yeah, I always got upset when you would come in town for our games and I had to go to the hotel or whatever. So I missed dinner, getting to go to dinner with you and I'd see you catch up, you know. Friday right before at practice and then you know at the game on Saturday but yeah that's uh that's the one part I used to get so ticked off like we're not ticked off it is part of the job but like we'd have people come in town for the game yep. or something and so I would call the restaurants here which are great with us and get a reservation and they'd take care of my family but hell I wasn't there to enjoy it so right. everybody coming in for the game got to go have dinner and a good time on Friday night while I was eating in, at the hotel going to meetings and stuff so all right, so here's a good one for you because I know I'm interested in this one. Let's take the SEC away, okay? So the okay. SEC doesn't count. You call bowl games and games all the time in other places and different deals. What environment outside the SEC that would that you know game day environment that you've been to was really cool, like outside the SEC, like so anywhere else you've been? Because I know you've been basically all over the place. Provo, really cool. Now it helps because you walk in the stadium and you've got the mountain ranges back behind i mean yeah it's, the stands go up and then it's mountains and i mean you know maybe maybe logan utah rose bowl where else are you going to get that like there's just yeah. there's not too many places and i've been to logan and logan is super underrated also yeah i've been there we um, told a story with matt wells because he used to be the head coach there when we did his did his uh episode but such a cool that's place. awesome yeah but byu man the fans are so passionate and I did Mississippi State there. They rushed the field after the game. Kalani Sataki was great. The people I've never been a place where so many people are so nice. Like everybody on the street. Like if you're Birmingham, you know Lexington, Columbia, South Carolina, Columbia, Missouri, Atlanta, Knoxville, San Francisco. Like people just want to be mean. I didn't come across a mean person in Provo, Utah. Everybody. I'm like, something is fake out here. Like these people are yeah. robots because they're so damn nice. Nebraska's a little bit like that too. See, I've never, I would love to go. Never been to Lincoln, but they would I, like cheer for us. They like, I've been there twice with two different schools now. Okay. And they, they gave us, the fans gave us standing ovations and like, great job. Like, it was almost like they were almost like, are they messing with me? Like, trying to be passive aggressive. Right. Like, good luck to you. Go, you know, play maybe hard today. Get, maybe they should get pissed off again. And, yeah, but that's, maybe that's maybe that's what the issue is. But yeah, it, they, it's bowl, almost like they're messing. Uh, bowl atmosphere. I got to do the Rose Bowl for radio this year. It ain't never close. been there. It ain't close. You know, I missed it and because we say, had this little kick this, six that, thing. We had this little kick six oh, incident yeah. in 2013, and I kind of missed that. Yeah, but I will say this too because I went to that national championship game in 2013. You need to, if you're a diehard college football fan, you need to go to the Rose Bowl separate from the playoff or a championship game setting. Like, it needs to be a standalone Rose Bowl. Okay. Just because – and I got lucky this year because Ohio State, mega brand, Utah, first time. Utah fans took over L.A. It was very special. And just seeing everything that happens around the game. And Utah covered. Well, seeing everything that happens around the game. And if their quarterback – if Kim Rising doesn't get hurt, who knows what happens yeah. in that game. I mean – They covered listen, still, though. Stroud and those guys were, were out of control. But didn't play – Nobody wanted to play defense that game. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, Utah started running back at corner, so you knew some things were going to probably go wrong. Fair. But uh, that place is special, man. And everybody's like, oh, the bathroom lines are so long. I'm like, pee early and quit drinking. Like, I don't Suck it up, buttercup. Whatever, <laughs> man. That place is awesome. So bowl setting, I would say Rose Bowl 
home field, I would say Provo, Utah. All right. So you're known. And I'll, and I'll text you, you know, I'll text you like when you're at the game, I'll send you what we're rocking shoes today. You're known for like your shoe game. That's like your thing, you know, at the, at the, when you're working. So what goes into like your, uh, what goes into your picking your shoes for the game? Okay. What's the process and B how many pairs of shoes do you have? Oh, uh, the last time I counted was over a hundred. And when we, when we moved, I did offload a few and I got a couple that I need to get rid of now. Um, I threw like two or three pair away the other day because they were they were getting kind of old. Um, what goes into it? And now I've had I've had a New Balance deal and a Bushimi deal, so obviously I'm wearing those and I'm repping those. But sometimes it's outfit coordinated. You know, I, I know like what the shirt tie jacket I'm going to wear. So now black, you, do you do that, or does your wife pick it out for you? She does everything else. I do the sneakers. Okay. She she hates. The fact that I have more shoes than she does. So I was, about, that that is, was, I was going to follow up with that. Do you have more shoes than she does? It's one of our regular quarrels in our household. Yes. And I've got, I just ordered like two pair the other day and she's going to be mad when those boxes come. But my thing is, how do you get mad when those boxes show up? when well, we have boxes show up every other day, every oh, day, dude. multiple cardboard boxes. And none of them are ever for me. None of them are for dude, me. Dude, my family, my wife leads the NCAA and Amazon deliveries. Yeah. We're, 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 we're definitely in the top 10. I mean, I mean it's every day, man. We've been a we've been a ranked team for a long time, by the way, <laughs> a long a long time. We're we're the Alabama of Amazon deliveries. Yeah, you know, we if, if we don't win it every year, we're playing for it. Yeah, so there you go. It just depends on how much the kid the, the six year old gets for Christmas. So, yeah, I think it it, de- it depends on what I have, what I'm wearing, and then kind of where it is. I will say this: like rain games, there have been a couple of times. There's a certain kind of all white pair of sneaker that Walmart has that are nine ninety nine. And they kind of look like Air Monarchs a little bit. So okay. if, if I get somewhere and it's all of a sudden it's going to rain, I'll go to Walmart and buy a pair of the nine ninety nine fake Monarchs, and I'll sport those and then just chunk them when I leave oh. because I don't have room to get them home. I yeah, never. Have, no. I mean, I, I pack pretty snug because I'm not checking a bag. So, but yeah, they're ten bucks. You wear them all around all weekend, and then you just toss them. It's, it's great. Interesting. I have not. I, you know, I'm with you. I mean, I've heard of people not right, packing underwear like, and going to the store, but never shoes. Like we were in Lexington and we did that whole like '80s deal. I bought like this pair of boots and like two pair of shoes to wear for that. Like all Walmart stuff. Like I took all those clothes and those shoes. And there were some homeless guys down from my hotel, so I just walked like a block and just like unloaded this giant yeah. like handful of clothes and shoes for these guys that were living on the street and just said enjoy and walked back. And Tom Hart sends me a picture the next morning because he flew out after we did, or he was staying for basketball. He went to Starbucks and he was like, they were the, rocking dude, your gear. the dude had, the, they had the gear on. I was like, yes, there I you love go. it. Makes you feel good. Yeah. All right. So I know you're a shoe guy. All right. Do you, what's your favorite model of Jordans? You got one pair to get. What, what, what are we rolling with? Uh, the, 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 my favorite models are the threes. So I, I brought some visual aids for you. Okay. <laughs> so okay. we're going to, uh, now, my the favorite model ever, ever, would be that one right there. And okay. some people, that's a four. Now some that's people are going. You're close to some, my favorite. Some people are going to tell you that the the Concord Elevens are their favorite Jordan ever, but I'll tell you that the way that they fit, I don't like those. So, like I rock the threes. Like that's the threes are kind of my go-to. And so, like you'll see, like we've got a couple different colors of the threes. So like we, I, yep. we keep the threes in stock. Like we, you know, I like the, the Royal blue, the true blue. We got the Carolina blue. Um, we got the core form. 
we got that. So we like to go with those. And then, you know, sometimes sometimes you got to go OG and get a little bit darker there. All right, so, so that's what – I had black, that pair right there. That the black, black pair, that's what black I had cement, when I was – that was one of my first pair I ever had. Then we go a little bit different, and you go the like the Tinker Hatfield um, special edition right there that he made for those. And then – you know, depending on what else you want to do, if you want to see it's, threes, it's like a clown car of Jordan shoes. A little, a little different one right there. So you yeah. what I haven't seen yet. Let me tell you what you have. I haven't seen which is my favorite pair of all time. The fives. Do you have any fives on display? Nope. Nope. Ones and threes. Ones and threes for me. That's it. I don't need any other. You don't I, mean, like I got the, the one pair for. No. Nah, nah. They're okay. Five is my all time favorite. Like okay, the, the, just... the glow in the dark tongue, and then the the clear sole with the jump man on them. That right there is that 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 mars blackman that cannot be beat right there that is the goat of sneakers i did this first pair i had i had i bought threes fours fives and i don't remember if i what i got after that but i got i got a bunch when i was at uh the reason i have all these is because i never could afford them when i was a kid so now the thing about the fours too those are not comfortable this thing hits you in the in the achilles they're just they don't feel good so but yeah we got a couple pair there you go okay fair enough you got yeah you got you got plenty of pairs all right, so as a player, you played center at Auburn and played against some good ones. Who was the hardest defensive lineman that you ever had to block? Mm, there are a couple out there. Like Gerard Warren would be in the mix. Ooh. Nose guard at Florida, number three overall pick, big money. He was a – I mean, the dude was 330, and he would get down – he would get down on that tilt nose, and he would – you know, he'd be in a three-point, and he'd let his other arm hang down, and it was like his wrist was on the ground. Like his wingspan was just massive. And the dude was wide and big, but he was so quick. Um, you know, obviously Seymour and Stroud at Georgia were ridiculous. Cornelius Griffin at Alabama was was really tough. I'll give you kind of a sneaky one though. Yeah, give me a sneaky um, one. Uh, Georgia had this little white walk-on, and I want to say his name was Josh Mallard, and I want to say he was ninety, maybe ninety-nine. And it's funny because I've had this conversation with Stinchcomb a few times, and Matt's like, dude, Mallard wore our asses out in practice. He was like, you did not want to face Josh Mallard in pass pro because he was going to smoke you. So they would run kind of – they would probably be more like an Oki now, but it'd be a, yeah. it'd be a bear with kind of wide threes. And they'd put yeah. him in a zero nose head up, and the dude was like 260. We're like, oh, we're going to maul this cat. And he's like, whoop, whoop, whoop. Like you, you, I mean, they're just letting him jump gaps. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, I mean, he's gone. Like, you didn't know what to do. I remember I came over to the sideline and Hugh Nall's like, Cuba, what the fuck's going on out there? I'm like, this, this dude's quick. It's shit, man. Like, I, I was like, I don't even know where he is. Like, I'm past that. And he's like, he's gone. I need some help. Like, we got to slide this thing or something. And so, like, and I think also, too, is because you didn't, you didn't anticipate it to be what it was at all. And then all of a sudden, he's just like, Whoop! and he's out of there. Um, one, other, one other guy, Albert Means. At Alabama, and I know that there's there's so much negativity that surrounds him and all this other stuff. But I'm just telling you, Tyler, you could not move him. Well, now, that's the now, reason. Now, that's the reason he, he was move. a very coveted recruit for the University of Alabama. Now he didn't move you, and he also didn't play more than three plays in a row. But by God, he was not going backwards at all. I mean, I think we triple teamed him on the goal line at one point. Like I just told both guards, like I told Hart, McGarry, and Mike Basillo, I was like, Big Hart. I was like, Hey double ace this thing we've got to try to move him a little bit it was like we were running like inside zone i was like i don't care about the linebackers we got to try to move this guy 
And we were all three on him trying to move him, and he just hey, you were running, you were running duo before duo was around. Just there out you of necessity. go. Innovative, innovative. And you're being innovative. You may, you may can get credit for running for creating starting a duo play. All right, so let's switch a little bit. What do you think? What are your most interesting um, teams that you're? I mean, that you want to see in 2022 SEC football wise? Who who is who's out there? I got a couple on my end, but who who do you got that you're just? Hey, I'm interested to see what they got in 2022. Um. I'm going to start with Florida because we, we talk about all of these quarterbacks and all these transfers and the portal and this and that. And it's almost like Eminem, they forgot about Dre. It's like they forgot about Anthony Richardson. And they forgot about the dude that's 6'5, 245, 255. That was literally, I was, I was, I had the game earlier this season against FAU, hurdling DBs, stiff arming linebackers, and running past corners. And it's like him and Napier's offense. I mean, just go look at the quarterback production. Now, granted, they had the same guy for seven years. So that, Dude, that, guy, that, that guy helps was, a little that bit. That guy was playing back when I was playing, I think. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, he probably still has another year left. But, I literally so that, coached against that guy like three times, and, he, and so I've been changed schools, and Alice coaching, and he's still playing. Right. That helps a lot. But I'll say this. Like, it, you know, that system is not super complicated. I mean, it's inside-outside zone. It's counter. They're going to run some power. But it's heavy bootleg stuff, which is going to give him the option to keep the ball, run the ball. They'll mix in some zone read. They'll have some Q runs. And, like, the passing tree is simplified for quarterbacks to not have to come in there and learn everything. It's not like Jimbo's offense. So, right. I think he has a chance. So, their offensive line is not very good. And I'm a little concerned about the receivers. But that dude in that offense, they are going to put him in positions to make plays. And so, I'm really anxious to see how that goes. I'm really anxious to see Spencer Rattler in South Carolina because those guys worked miracles with that offense last year. And I thought the O-line would be better because two years ago they were pretty good. It was most of the same guys, but they underperformed last year. And Shane told us that. He's like, we don't get it because we watch these guys on film. And last year they were taking names. This year it's like, what are we doing? Other than the Florida game, they just didn't play good ball. But, I, again, I'm a little worried about the weapons. I think they're okay at tailback and tight end, but I'm interested to see if Spencer can get that thing going. And then probably LSU just because they still have guys. I mean, they still have guys. Like they got the, dudes. Mason Smith is going to be ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just I, I still think that they have some legit players, and I'm anxious to see kind of how that thing works. They got a couple of good portal offensive linemen to the kid from FIU, a really super talented player. Um and then I'm interested to see what Lane can do, too. I mean, yeah, Jackson – okay, Jackson Dart. Okay, woo. I, I mean, we've seen a little bit. We said, the, we said the same things about JT Daniels. And yeah. we've seen him play, what, three games? Maybe four or five games? So, maybe. it's like – but I like what Ole Miss has done through the portal with the O-line. Uh, I think they have semi-addressed some things on defense. There's some pretty big losses that people aren't talking about over there. Yeah. But we, we know they're going to figure out how to run it. And Levy is amazing. And – you know, just like Kendall was amazing. And those two don't get probably as much credit as they deserve at FAU with Lane or at Ole Miss with Lane. But at the end of the day, if Lane needs to call it, he can call it. And it'll be it'll be called well. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested like, to see just like with a couple of new receivers, new quarterback, some new offensive linemen, kind of how that thing goes. Yeah. So you that, those are probably the ones that are that are top of the list for me. Yeah. I think if Florida fans will just chill out and let Billy do be Billy, they're gonna be happy with what they get there. Um, I'm interested, like you with South Carolina, see what they got. And then one you didn't mention that I'm interested in seeing is the Tennessee Vols to see how they can they come back and, and build off what they did last year. You want to hear something interesting about Tennessee? What you got? I don't have um, 
it's a, it's a, I texted it to myself. So it's in my phone right now, which we're on. I don't have it. Have you, have you gone back? Seriously? Have you gone back and taken it? Cause I'm, I was with you for a minute and I was like, man, this is, you know, they got hidden hooker coming back. They got, you know, some receivers coming back. Like they lost Cade Mays, but they'll be okay up front. Have, have you taken a close look at, at who they beat last year? I mean, I, I, I know off the top of my head, but yeah, they're. Who's the best team they beat? Kentucky, I'll tell you. But then after that. Best team they beat. That's a good question. But right. it makes. I get your it, points going. Go ahead. It, it makes what you said. First off, like, so here's another cool analogy. Like everybody's mad at Auburn right now and thinks that the world is crumbling and everybody's so high on Tennessee. Like, oh my God, that guy got it rolling. Like they are set. Can you, I can't wait for this. One game difference. Win and loss. Yeah. yeah. Six and seven, seven and six. Yep. That's it. Dude, but we, treat, we treat one like, oh, ah. <laughs> now, here, here, here were their, these are, these are Tennessee's wins last year. Bowling Green, Tennessee yep. Tech, yep. Missouri, yep. South Carolina, yep. Kentucky, South Alabama, Vanderbilt. Yeah. <laughs> I think two of those teams finished above 500. Yeah. And South Carolina was right at yeah at, before a bowl game. So no, I, it will be very interesting to see because <laughs> I'm not really sure. I'm just, I'm just not sure that the schedule – told us the real story of what they were last year. Yeah, now I think now they started. Pitt, now they're at LSU, still got Bama, you're at Georgia. So, yeah, I think what I saw with them is I saw from – I watched them against Bowling Green where they looked like – I was like, oof, you know. And then you saw them improve every single game and be competitive and the kids buying in. That's why I'm the excited about – The, the buy-in was amazing. And that's and, why I'm excited and, about South Carolina because the same way. Those kids, man, they knew – I mean, not they, they didn't know that, but – as fans, you know, South Carolina wasn't going to go beat Georgia or whoever, but they they competed their ass off, and that's he, a sign to me. Both of those teams exceeded expectations by right. ten thousand, not yeah. even close. I'll say the other one real quick will be Arkansas. Yeah, I love I'm, I because, love me some Sam Pittman, man. Oh, of course, and to be able to keep Kendall on that side of the ball, I mean, because Kendall Kendall should be a head coach right now, and if he had a different last name, he would be a head coach last yep. now. Let's just call it what it is. It and is. To be able to keep Barry. I mean, Barry had some head coaching options. To be able to keep him on that side of the ball, I mean, you're basically you got three head coaches running that thing. It's amazing. And now you lose Traylon Burks, who was who still is underrated, doesn't get enough credit for oh, what he did. He's a baller. Cody does a great job with that offensive line. They're all coming back now. There's no first, most of them are coming back. There's no first round picks, but they played their guts off last year. Um, so that's going to be fun. You got a big physical tailback who's coming back. Now you got to find a guy in the middle because you had Richardson and then Ridgeway. So who's going to hold the point? In that Barry Odom defense, now you got to find that guy. If they do, they got a chance to be pretty good because you got one of the best safeties in college football coming back, some productive linebackers coming back. So I think they could be if if they they shouldn't the, be any worse than they were. They should take another step. No, because that's what we. So what Greg and I discussed on our show is if you were to take confidence points in the West after Alabama, who are you most confident in staying where they are or improving from last year? Texas. My number two team was Arkansas. You I don't think Texas A&M will be better? Well, they lost their best offensive lineman. They lost their best three defensive linemen. They lost their best linebacker. They lost their best safety. They lost their defensive coordinator. Yeah, they can't. They don't with all know them exactly, dudes, they, all them know dudes exactly they got. what their quarterback's going to do. And they've had – let's just be honest. They've had receiver problems for a while now. 
Cole, guys me and you could go play quarterback for A&M this year. Me and you. They lost their tight end. They lost their tailback. That offense is not going to be the same. It's just not. Sorry. Me and you me and you could go play quarterback for Texas A&M and go eight and four this year. I don't know, dude. They got, they got a tough schedule. <laughs> I know. They have, they have, they have dude, how about this? Oh, some... wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. They are crawling with creatures. They have App and then Miami in the non-conference early in the season. Oh, I know. You know, and, and they're already down a couple D linemen. You know what the training room looks like because you've done it. You know what the training room looks like the week after you play App. Every D lineman that got in that game is going to be in there with a knee or an ankle or feelings, one, something. They're going to be in there getting something taped up, and they're going to have the stem on something. It might be their heart. It might be their brain. It's going to be an ankle, a knee, an Achilles, something. They're going to be in there. And it's because it's that's how app operates, and it's legal, but that's just how they do it. And then they got to play Miami the next week. So I'm just telling you, man, they might be – I'm very interested to see it, but I have more yeah. confidence right now – that Arkansas can stay where they were or maybe be better than A&M stay or be better because A&M just lost a ton. And I love that staff. They got a great staff. I love Jimbo. I love Damian. I think they got a lot of coaches that do a great job. And they do have talent, but it's just – I have – here's the cool thing with, with, like, Alabama and some of Georgia. The last few years, we've seen the next wave of guys. So, on the offensive line, they've done a good – some of those young guys had to play. Like, their center played over right. Steve's this year. Fatherly played really good ball this year. But on the D-line, I haven't seen really – outside of 35, I haven't really seen the next wave of guys. Well, at Alabama, you usually see the next wave of guys. At Georgia, you see the next wave of guys. So I haven't seen enough of the next wave for A&M to be super confident that they're going to be what they were or better than last year. All right, we're going to flip the script on you right here. What freaks you out the most or scares you the most? Do you have any phobias? Because, you know, you're an offensive lineman, right. tough guy. You like, I mean, you, you've always, but there's got to be something. What scares you the most or freaks you out the most? Well, first off, it's all these Jordans being out and getting dirty or the kids doing something. <laughs> That's why I keep reaching over to, for some reason, clean them. Uh, intruder paranoia. Intruder paranoia. I have legit intruder paranoia. Uh, it drives my wife crazy. Um, every noise I hear in the middle of the night, I think somebody's trying to break into our house. Do you, like, um, pop up? Are you a light sleeper? I'm not a very heavy sleeper, and there are I I have had a few. Uh, I've had to clear the house while armed a couple of times. Yeah, that has happened on a regular basis. Um, okay. So I mean, we have cameras. We have an alarm system that's on. Do you have cameras and I, inside and outside. No, none inside. I mean, okay. we have one like in the baby's room, but right. But no, I even with the cameras, I still I'm just like somebody found a way to sneak in. I gotta go check it out. Like as that's I mean, that's it. I don't really have like a. I'm not scared of heights. I'm not scared of snakes. I'm not, I'm not afraid of I'm not afraid of flying. No, I, I actually had a pet alligator when we were at Auburn. You sure why would you that? do that? <laughs> it's a great question because it bit the shit out of my hand on a regular basis. What's well, uh, like, like Antoine had the snake, you know? Antoine yeah. had the, the python or whatever, and then you go over his house and he couldn't find it. And I was like, that's not cool. I'm not staying. I'm I'm leaving. He had a, a apartment over at College Park and it got I'm I'm gone. See ya. I'm out. So right. mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Intruder so, paranoia. You and my wife would get along great. Um, I had to explain to her on a daily basis that she's like, somebody's broken, you know, the grill cover uh, came off the grill in the backyard the other day. This was like last Thursday. <laughs> and she's like, somebody's been in our backyard. And I said, what did you think they were doing? They just want to come over and grill some steaks in the middle of the day? Or could it be that we had 40 mile an hour winds today? You know, which one, which one's more likely? Right. Um, but, but yeah, I have to have, you know, she, she freaks out about that stuff too. So 
I'm with you. And she's always, I can sleep through anything. So I get elbowed to go check the house and don't get any right. sleep sometimes. So, yep. all right. Uh, interesting question for you right here. You could pick any SEC coach to go have dinner with. Okay. Oh, okay. Who, are, who are you going to have dinner with? You get to pick, you get one coach, one mm. dinner. Who are you picking? This will change almost daily for me. Okay. And some of it would depend on the mood that I'm in. All right. Today, right now, who are you having dinner with tonight? Brian Kelly. And the answer is simple. I don't know him. Because you wanted to get to know him. Never been around him. So I, I just, that would be the most advantageous selection for me for okay. what I do and what yeah. I'm going to be doing. Fair. I need to sit down with him and just talk football and talk life and just kind of see why you dance with kids and why you felt the need to have a Southern accent in Cajun country. So. Oh, you can tell you have an Alabama Auburn show. <laughs> but uh, listen, I, the dude won 10 games five years in a row at Notre Dame. He's going to win. Yeah, He's obviously, win. obviously a great coach. And yeah. I just, I just want to know, like, like you mentioned Billy earlier, we know how Billy runs a program. Yeah. I know how Nick Saban runs a program. Um, you know, I know Eli personally. I've been around Harson. Uh, so I mean, I've been around Lane a good bit. I now I could probably be around Leach a hundred times. I'm not sure I would know him technically, but right. he would be the most entertaining. There's no doubt about it. So, but right now it'll be Brian Kelly. Yeah. Like Jimbo, okay. I don't know how much I would get in. Like, would I be would I get a turn to talk if I if I ate dinner with Jimbo? Um, I don't know. You but already Brian, know that answer. Yeah, it'd be it'd be Brian Kelly right now. But like, I would love to have dinner with, like, I'd love to have dinner with Nick and just ask him. You know, you you. I don't think you understand sometimes that some of the things that you say that you expect people to understand, those things didn't just happen. I need you to explain to me how you got things into a position where you were able to make those things happen. Like you brought up, like you brought up Nick and his relationship with the media a little bit right. earlier. I've always said this. Most people play his answers. Go play the questions. Because it's some of the dumbest shit you've ever heard in your life. It re- they're scared I mean, to death, these, man. They're so scared get to get they say, ass ripped. Uh, coach, coach, uh, about cornerbacks. <laughs> What's he supposed to say? Yeah. And half of them aren't even questions. Half of them, they're telling him something because they want him to repeat what they're telling him. And I think that's when he really gets mad because he's like, you're not going to tell me what to say right here. So they'll say, coach, your offensive line played, played terrible in that game. What do you do about that? And you know, his brain's right now. Like, hold on. You don't tell me how my team operates. Like he's not going to say that verbatim, but he's thinking, no, let me tell you how many times the back missed his guy in protection. (laughs) Or we slid the protection the wrong way, and we had three people coming off the right edge that had clear shot the quarterback because we slid it the wrong way. And so hey, now if you ever get this, like I am, like I am right now. He now he's furious, and you can't help it. Hey, if you're if and the people that are watching on video, this is this this is how you know Nick's fixing to get pissed. All right, some guy's asking a question. He'll pick up this the sunny water bottle and he'll put it up to his mouth, and he's gonna glance to the right right there. Like he, he looks <laughs> he's at, looking he at look, Josh Max. He looks like, at Josh and like, happen? what the hell? You let this happen. And like if, you let that and happen, and then and it's coming. And if you're sitting with him in a more relaxed setting, and the leg starts tapping, oh yeah, he's going. He's, he's going to have getting, his leg crossed, and he's going to start. Yeah. He's going to start. He's going to start jiggling his leg. If that leg starts tapping, he's he's about to give you something really good. 
Yeah. Or yeah. you're going to feel really bad. <laughs> yeah. One or the other. Hey, Something's we, happening. We were in a meet, We were in a players meeting one time with him or not players meeting, but a coaches meeting with him this past year. And Tom Hart asked me, he told me he was going to ask this. And I said, listen to me, I know you don't take my advice very serious very often. Don't do it. <laughs> and he's like, oh, blah, 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 blah. and I said, all right. So we're wrapping up towards the end. He's eating popcorn he said, in the back. He said, he said, he said, coach, I, I got one more for you. And I went, because <laughs> I, I knew I was coming. I said, and I, I looked at him and I said, coach, I just want you to know I have nothing to do with this. <laughs> and Tom's like, what the hell? And he said, he said, coach, I know, I know a lot of times I've heard uh, in the past, like you will leave your players in for individual accolades and you know, to, to go for individual awards, like the Blitnikoff and Heisman. And I was just curious with, you know, Bryce Young, some of your other guys, how often you feel like you maybe could take them out, um, but you're leaving them in for maybe individual awards. And I said, Coach, like I said, I'm out. <laughs> I'm like the dealer switching over, you know? Like, yeah. and I'm, like, I'm leaving. I was like, do not put my face on this question. I don't want to be anywhere near this. I do not want you to remember this face right here asking that dumb of a question. I'm out. I looked at Max and I said, he can finish this. I'll be outside. I want nothing to do with this. I'm done. That's good. That's good. I, I wish that, yeah, that's, that's one that I would not want the recipient of that, that deal. All right. We've taken up a ton of your time, but I got to ask one more funny question I had to ask. I was just curious. All right. So, you, and then we're going to wrap this thing up, but if you had to pick one movie, all right, one movie that I said, this movie has to play on loop inside your house for one year straight. Okay. What movie are you picking? This is not a fair question. Because it, I it have, is a fair question. It's not because I have six, four, and one that are going to be in the your house movie. a lot, right? But it, I can't give you the program or predator when the six, four, and a one-year-old are walking around. Okay, half sure the can. time. Just put it on mute. Don't put the subtitles on. That's fair. But then still, if it's if it's predator, Jesse Ventura's got this like giant hole gashed out of him when he gets yeah. lit up at that one Make point. Uh, the one predator dude gets his or entire, the program entire vertebrae ripped out like we probably can't do that the program i could probably leave on on mute and that would be okay but i'm gonna because i need them and my wife needs them to have legit screen time occasionally occasionally um and i'm trying to think of something like that i would kind of think is somewhat cool that they're also into the like goonies. It, well no right now it would be in kanto like they're big time into in kanto right now but what in the world is in kanto i've never heard of that it's I the newest, kids too. newest disney movie and they love it it's got okay. a great actually you know what i might go in kanto right now just because the soundtrack's that good okay like, we don't in talk kanto. about bruno and a couple others like the, I, I could actually deal with the music on that and be okay with it so again i got a six-year-old and i haven't watched it yet i think they love it my right, kids love, kanto, I'm both my right kids now. love it and the music's actually good so it's not what you know what i want to do you said the program. You know what I want to do? So maybe there's maybe there's like a movie producer out there or a show producer. I had this great idea. Okay. So I'm gonna say it here so I can I can take credit for it. So I want it to I want to do like a series, like on Netflix, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like the program where you make a fictional uh school. Right. And then, but, it, but it's real. But put in real recruiting stories, the shit yeah. that really happens. It'd be awesome. You know, because be so the program, awesome. as good as it is, does have some fictitious stuff in it, right? I, mean, I disagree. Don't tell me, don't tell me that that Alvin Mack did not say those things before snaps. He did. 
No, that's all real. That. That's no. There's some real stuff in there. There's well, some. There's some. There's don't some tell me. I mean, over and, we, and we know kids. Went, things. We know kids went out and read the newspaper in the middle of the interstate. Uh, we know that happened. So okay. Yeah, you know, and we we when we know that anabolic steroids were were bad in the day, but but we didn't have guys uh, smashing Ford Explorer windows with their head. Uh, no, we didn't have that. We did have yeah. the ghost at Sewell Hall that that did a- accidentally flatten tires though when you parked in the wrong parking spot. Yeah, I don't think it was an accident. I, they yeah. got me. They got me for top parking up top a few times. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they messes your tire stem up with the dimes going there. Yeah, that's good. All right, we're gonna wrap this thing up. Why don't you tell everybody where we can find you, and then, uh, and then, like I said, man, I, I think you're—I'm uh, really excited about. Appreciate you joining us. I love having your insight and talking ball with you. We could do this for hours, um, yep. which we probably did, but we can talk about this all day long. But I think it's awesome that SEC Network, ESPN, has a guy like you that understands line play and and studies it. And that's the thing a lot of people don't know about you that I do. I'm gonna I'm gonna puff you up right here. You study the game probably more than any analyst. I've ever been around and you're always sending me, you know, you'll send a video and say, Hey, you know, even if you trying to, you study the game and learn the game um, and you continue to do that. I think that's awesome. I wish more people would do that. I think you do a hell of a job and you're one of the very few that I actually will listen to when you're on the, when you guys are on the broadcast. <laughs> uh, I appreciate the hell out of you, brother. Tell everybody where we can find you. At Cole Kubelik, um, Twitter, Instagram. Um, like you mentioned before, McElroy and Kubelik in the morning on jocks in Birmingham, 7 to 10 a.m. Central, jocksfm.com. Tell your smart speaker, listen to jocks or, or, or play jocks or enable the jock skill. And um, there's an app, search WJOX. You can listen that way. We always appreciate it. We got a pretty good college football following, people from everywhere tuning in. So that's what we're trying to build. And uh, like you said, SEC Saturday nights, SEC Network in the fall. Me, Jordan, Tom, hopefully back again for year six. This will be together. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Cole, appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Good to – I'm glad I made it in your top 3,000 before oh you got gosh. to your 3,000 podcast really? you got me on. You're going to let me remember that one, huh? Hey, real keep it real. <laughs> appreciate you. I want to thank Cole for joining us uh, today. It was a lot of fun. Uh, he gave us plenty of time. We could have gone on for another two or three hours, I think. Him and I talking football can go on forever. Uh, we'll definitely get him back uh, sooner rather than later. Um, I just want to finish up with this today, and actually as we were taping, um, news broke about Matt Luke stepping away um, at Georgia. Um, I cannot say enough about Matt and the positive impact he's had on my life, um, not only as a coach, um, but as a friend. He's, it's no secret that if you're listening or around Oxford or you know me or you know Matt, uh, Matt is one of my best friends on the whole planet. Um, I actually went and spent some time with him and his family during the season, went to a game, went to a game and um, just one of the most genuine people in the business that you're ever going to meet, stepping away for family reasons. You know, he found that, you know, his kids are getting older. Um, and he wants to spend some time at home. And as you guys know, we've talked about it on here. Um, it's not really a game to us. It's a way to provide for your family. Um, and he is just one of the best husbands and fathers that you could ever want to model or be around. You know, I always say if I could be half the man that he was, I'd be doing pretty good. And um, he's just an amazing human being. Um, I cannot speak more highly of him. Um, he's as genuine as they get. That's all I can say. I, I know I said that three times probably already, but um, love him to death. I love him like a brother. I can't wait uh, for the next chapter in his life. Um, you know, but uh, the world got better. If we had more Matt Lukes, we'd have a lot less problems in this world. And, you know, he's obviously a really good football coach. 
Uh, there's no one that can ever, no player that he's ever coached or ever been around. You can never say that he did did not positively impact your life. And I think he did that with coaches uh, that he, when he was a head coach here at Ole Miss, uh, to coaches he worked with before he was a head coach. Um, probably one of the most unselfish people um, that I've ever worked with. And uh, I'll share a brief story. It's a personal story that I bet not many people know about him just to demonstrate what I'm talking about. Um, when it came for me to decide whether I was going to uh, stay at Ole Miss or leave to go to Alabama, you know, obviously one of the reasons that um, I went to Alabama was the nice, generous pay raise that I was getting. Um, you know, Matt Luke went to Hugh Freeze and offered to give up his raise that he was getting to give to me to keep me here. Now, how many people would really do that in life? Okay, how many people would really go and give up the, the money that you earned um, in a raise to give to somebody else in order to keep them? And that's just who he is. Um, he'll give you the shirt off his back. Um, I love him to death. Um, I wish him nothing but success and excited again for the next chapter of his life. Make sure you check us out on YouTube, uh, Home Visit Siski. Our, our videos uh, will be uploaded. Again, I want to thank Cole for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe, like, follow us on Home Visit Siski on Twitter. And until next time, take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.